you hadn't heard, it's going to be Thanksgiving this week. That's exciting. I hope you and your family and friends have a great holiday together. Uh, we certainly have reason to be thankful as believers. Uh, now, not everything that happens to us is good. We understand that. But even in the difficult times, we can know what the Bible promises us in Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Even in those times when things are difficult, even when the road's rocky, even when we're facing some tough times in life, we can still know that God's at work, that he's still in control, and that he is working for the good of those who love him. That certainly was the case ever since the Garden of Eden. We've been looking over Genesis chapter 3 for the last several weeks, and you remember things were not going very well at this particular point. Adam and Eve had violated God's command. They had brought sin into what had been a perfect world. And now they were facing the consequences. God tells them uh, in the middle part of that chapter that they will have brought pain and toil into their lives. But most importantly, they had altered the relationship between them and God. Their experience with the Lord was broken because of their sin. It was a tragic time. But even in the tragedy that was the Garden of Eden, God was putting into place the plans that one day would deliver those who love Him. He pronounces a curse upon the serpent. But as he does so, God provides what is the first prophecy in the Scripture about the Messiah. It's found here in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, where God says, And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. There's more here than, than might initially meet the eye. Within God's words are the entire promise of the gospel. This morning we can be thankful that from the very beginning to the very end and beyond, God wins the complete victory. Thanksgiving will come this week, and then you know what that means afterwards. It's time for Christmas movies. It seems like television just takes over with all kinds of, of, of Christmas movies. Uh, one of my favorites is the old staple, It's a Wonderful Life. Now, you may know the story behind that, that movie. It, it didn't do very well at the, at the box office. It, it, it came out in July, of all things. It's kind of strange for, for that, but it didn't do too well. But uh, for some reason over the years, Somebody uh, forgot to pay the, the rights for the movie, and so it entered into public domain. And that, that basically meant that anybody could broadcast it that, that wanted to without having to pay to broadcast it. And so uh, back in the day when television was young, during the Christmas season, they were looking for free stuff because all of their staff and everybody had gone home. Nobody wanted to be at the station, and so they were just looking for something to, to run so they'd be on the air. And they found out that It's a Wonderful Life didn't have any royalties to be paid. And so they would just run that repeatedly over and over again during the Christmas season. And so this movie that originally came out in July 
became a Christmas movie, which I one of my, one of my favorites. I always enjoy uh, watching that movie. And you'll remember the, the, the story. It's the story of George Bailey. Uh, tells the, his life as, as he's going through a lot of different experiences. And one of the experiences is, is during World War II. He, he wants to go and fight in the war, but, but he's 4F. He's, he's not able to, uh, to serve. And, and so he is elected as uh, the, the uh, warden of the town. He's supposed to go around and make sure that Bedford Falls is, is safe from any invading forces. And, and as he's walking through the town, he reminds people at, at night to be sure and, and draw their drapes so that their lights of their window wouldn't call in any German aircraft. And he's walking by and somebody has their, their drapes open and he calls out, Don't you know there's a war on? <laughs> well, folks, there's a war on today. No doubt it was easy in Bedford Falls, separated by thousands of miles from the actual fighting, to forget that there was a war on. It's easy for us to forget also. Adam and Eve did not realize that the lies of the serpent were the first shots fired in a war that lasts right up to today. Satan is still hard at work trying to deceive Everyone that he can. And truth is, his, his game plan has not changed at all. As we've seen over the last few weeks, the temptation that he makes to Adam and Eve, it's the same one that he tries to sell today. <laughs> he tries to let us think that we know better than God. God tells Eve about the war with these words that he gives to the serpent in verse 15. He says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. You will strike his heel, he says. The, the word for enmity, it, it describes a deep blood feud, an intense hatred. Satan has been seeking to destroy Since the first days of the garden, right up until his sharpest blow at Calvary, there is a war on. Paul puts it this way in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. There is a war that is even greater than we can see, even more than we can know, a battle that is being fought on a plane we are barely able to conceive. War is never a good thing. People die in war. Nations are destroyed by war. And yet there are times when war is necessary. Our founding fathers saw it necessary to go to battle to create a place where they could be free. Our freedoms were won on the battlefield. And we celebrated a couple of weeks ago the the men and women who have served through the years laying down their lives to make sure that our freedoms are preserved. War is a desperate yet sometimes necessary battle. As believers, we are involved in nothing short of a war. 
Satan would knock us back at every hand. He will do anything to harm our witness. He will do anything to pull us away from the task, to draw us away from where God wants us to be. We need to see the battle for what it is. And we need to arm ourselves with what the Bible calls the armor of God. The belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the the shoes of the gospel, the shield of faith, and the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. We're nothing short of a war, but make no mistake, this is a war that Jesus wins. Things could not have been worse in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve had ruined everything. They had lost their innocence. They had lost this amazing place to live where everything they needed was provided. Most significantly, their relationship with God was broken. And now they faced the consequences of what they'd done. But within his words, God pronounces both the curse of their sin... And the answer to their sin. I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Now Satan gets in some good shots and they cause great pain. If you've ever injured your heel, you know how bad that hurts. But Satan doesn't win. God pronounces in no uncertain terms, He will crush your head. When Jesus said, it is finished, there from the cross at Calvary, He didn't just mean that His day was done. He didn't simply mean that a task had been accomplished. The cross was the end. For Satan. Now like a chicken with his head cut off, he's still running around the barnyard. Even a headless chicken can give you a pretty good scratch. But eventually a headless chicken winds up at Sunday dinner. On Easter Sunday morning, Jesus sealed Satan's fate. When he rose from the grave, the prophecy of Genesis 3.15 was proven. It remains only to be fully completed when Jesus returns. He hasn't broken any promises yet. He's not going to break that one either. There were some mean snakes that lived on my grandparents' farm. Uh, They had copperheads. They had coral snakes and Uh, Each of those is capable of killing someone with one bite. And they had rattlesnakes galore. They used to have a rattlesnake roundup in that county every year. And and folks would would come onto my my granddad's farm and they would carry off bags and bags of rattlesnakes. There's no telling how many there were out there. But none of those snakes was a match for my grandmother. Now, my granddad would shoot a snake. Anytime he saw one, he, he always had a gun in his car, and he, he'd pull out and shoot the snake. But he usually didn't need to because my grandmother usually beat him to it. 
She took the Bible literally. She didn't just crush the snake's head. She quacked it right off with the garden hoe. My grandparents had a pile of rattles in a bowl on the top of their television set to prove (laughs) we got these snakes figured out. I I knew about the snakes on the farm. I was careful when when I was walking around. I didn't want to step on one. But I wasn't afraid because grandmother and her hoe were just to call away. Satan is alive and well in our, our world. Doesn't take a genius to figure that one out. There's a lot of evil around us. And we would do well to be careful, to be watchful, to seek to avoid evil and seek God's righteousness in everything that we do. But we do not need to be afraid. Satan's head is crushed. It's only a matter of time until the final victory is revealed. We can say with the psalmist, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? What do you fear this morning? What monster is rearing its ugly head in your life? Claim the victory that God has already won. Our one this week is simple. Give thanks that Jesus has won the victory. Heavenly Father, this week as we pause to give thanks, we do thank you for all the many blessings you give us. You are so incredibly gracious and kind. You bless us far beyond measure, far beyond what we would ever be able to claim to deserve. And for that, we give you thanks. You are a kind and gracious and merciful Lord. But Heavenly Father, we pause for a moment this morning to give thanks that you have given us the victory. A victory that stretches right back to the very beginnings of Genesis itself. A victory that is described throughout your word. A victory that was won at the cross. A victory that was proven at the resurrection. And a victory that we look forward to being completed on the day that Jesus returns. And so today we give you thanks. That you have won the victory. For it is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.